Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you like some murder with your coffee? Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just some gals who like to sit around and drink coffee while talking about true crime. True crime and murder. It's been so much fun having all these really lovely new listeners. <laughs> and uh, it's been crazy listening to all these new PC our numbers go. And uh, something that's going to really help us out is if you take the time to subscribe, obviously, and follow. Um, but leaving us a, was it four or five stars? I mean, five. 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 Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, leaving us a review is going to help us out and uh, kind of get more people to see us, and that way we can keep making awesome episodes. I'm so stoked. Yeah, yeah. so stoked. It's so awesome. <laughs> Let's keep this party going. So, ladies and listeners, I have brought the last bit of the Marilyn Shepard mo- murder saga. MAGA, if I was going to say. Mm. Com- combining Maga murder saga, and saga. Completely saga. different. Yeah. Totally different. Okay. So, let's talk about that window washer, Richard Eberling. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Richard. Okay. Richard Eberling, born Richard Larick, Lenarick, Lenardick? Sure. Was the one who, in the end, allegedly murdered Marilyn Shepard. With the finding of some of her belongings at his home, if we recall from the other episodes, if you haven't listened to them yet, if you go back and listen to the Sam Shepard episode, as well as our espresso shot, you'll get caught up to speed and kind of know about what's going on here with me and the ladies. So, uh, Richard had stolen some objects from Sam's brother, and with his track record, it seems like a lot of signs actually pointed to Richard, right? Plus, we had that amazing comment you made, Brenna! Oh, about him, po- the window washer. The, yeah, with the white jumpsuit. Yes. Yes. What kind of jumpsuit did he have on? A white one. A white one. <laughs> so maybe maybe the person in all white was Richard. Perhaps. Richard. <laughs> and it would make, like we said, it would make uh, Sam's comment make more sense when he said he just saw like a white figure with uh, uh, like bushy hair, right? Mm-hmm. So now let's take a sip and dive into this. I'm really good. I'm going to take a sip mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Mm. We're iced today. I'm not. I'm I'm hot. <laughs> I mean, well, the drink is. Well, uh, I was gonna say what? Okay, then what are you drinking? Stop! I'm blushing. Okay, so Richard was born December eighth, nineteen twenty nine, in Ohio. His parents were Louise Lenardic and George Anderson. Now, Louise was an unmarried woman, and George was a known alcoholic and a Cleveland Heights, Ohio police officer. Louise tried to keep the baby, but in her attempts, she failed. Richard was taken from her and placed into foster care. So it's noted that he was only given enough care to really just keep himself alive. Like, they just kept him alive so he could get from home to home. I know, really sad. Um, So Louise also refused to give up her rights to Richard, so he was actually never able to really get adopted. He could just bounce from foster homes. I mean... I understand, like, not wanting to give up your rights to a kid, right? Like, if, especially because she wants the kid. She's trying to get the kid back. But it caused, I mean, a lot of trauma because he could never actually be 
adopted. It's really sad. Right. That is sad to be put in that situation. Because I don't know if he, like, as a child, I don't think you understand that. Mm -hmm. Like, all you know is that you don't get to stay in in one place, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because that's all, like, adult conversations and, like, things that happen behind closed doors with, like, a caseworker and all that other stuff. Right. And you're rarely, I don't know if I I would be, I would be interested to find out, like, just with anyone that's been in the system, but, like, how much they actually know about their own case and their Mm -hmm. own situation mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is especially like depending on how old they are like when it when everything happens and starts and it just for the young age that he was I mean he was a baby when all this happened right just you can't develop stably with all this bouncing around from home to home and messes with your child development because mm. you have no sense of grounding right, right. Mm-hmm. so Louise started to show signs so the mom Louise started to show signs of um, eccentric traits and unstable behavior so part of the reason why they wouldn't let her have him too So Richard also started to show some of these signs later. Uh, uh, His included ongoing tantrums, demon baby, uh, (laughs) compulsive masturbation, demon baby, and was unable to really grasp language as a child, except maybe speaking in tongues. (laughs) Demon baby. (laughs) Demon baby. Just wait till he grows up. So he would also hold his breath a lot. And um, he had disassociative tendencies, meaning you're showing signs of the disorder, the disassociative disorder, which... Uh, makes normal functions like memory, identity, perception, or consciousness separate. Mm-hmm. It's a it's actually a pretty common sign of trauma. So when you experience major trauma, you disassociate from it, right? You might even create a whole other persona right. to distance yourself from the trauma. Mm-hmm. Or you, you know, you don't remember it at all. Yeah, which I'm finding a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, therapy. Therapy's <laughs> cool. Everyone should Therapy's do it. Cool. Yeah. Everybody should do therapy. Therapy's mm-hmm. great. But yeah, it's a mental defense mechanism to protect mm-hmm. yourself. Mm. Uh, so he started to show signs of homosexuality, which uh, was the caseworker's uh, thought because he was acting more feminine. So they kind of noted that in his case, which is odd. This is the 1930s. And that, with everything else going on with uh, him, made it really difficult to place him in the homes. So, yay, 1930s. Uh, there was one family, though, who almost fought for his adoption. Uh, but when this family brought in an additional child they wanted to adopt... Uh, Richard, who was four at the time, started to mimic the other child and like do all the things the infant oh, yeah, was we, doing. And yeah, we talked we talked about that with uh, Herbert Mullen did that. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he started yeah. Started to mimic, and that's like a really that's a big sign. Yeah. yeah. Well, it uh, did not sit well with the potential adoptive parents, and uh, they backed out of the possible adoption. So, in 1939, Richard did find a home that kept him. So Christine and George. Eberling, which is what his last name ends up being. Oh, yeah. uh, they were an older couple who owned a farm. Uh, they would house a wide number of foster children, in fact, for bop cheap labor. No! <laughs> no! Farm wine! Farm wine! Wasn't that, like, a big thing, like, back in the day, too, especially, like, during, like, and around the Depression, that, like, people would just have kids so that they would... Literally, it's like, you know, you have your own soccer team. Like, you just kind of make your own, like, child child labor is free labor when it's like, no, no, it isn't. No. no, no. Like, child I, labor is slavery. Yeah. It's, slavery. it's like, it's like a, an unpaid internship that you didn't, that you didn't apply for. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. You were born into it. Yeah. Unpaid internship. Well, and they were, in, in this case, it was foster care, so they were just brought into, all Yikes. these foster kids were brought into this farm. Yikes. So, Richard did get close to Christine, 
Um, she was actually rather fond of him. He refused to play with the other boys, and according to his caseworker's notes, uh, he instead would stay inside and clean, redecorate, and even wear Christine's clothes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be an interesting, like, when when you aren't grasping how people are, like, because mm-hmm. that's something babies do, right? Like, they'll, they mimic your sounds, like, that's, you know, you do your hand thing, that's what they mm-hmm. do, to be like, oh, people, like, animals do that with each other in the wild, to be like, oh, we're good, we're good. But if that's, like, your only coping mechanism to connect with people, it's got to be really tough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to just be like, well, I'll just do the thing that you do, and then then I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? Like, I'm, I'm passing as a human, right? Human. <laughs> I, I have human. 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 <laughs> human. I do human things. I do human things yeah. now. Beep, boop. That's Beep, gonna boop. be tough. <laughs> it's gonna be tough because you're like, clearly this is fine. And then everyone's like, no. No, <laughs> no, yeah. no. Well, to add to the already severe trauma that he's been growing through as he's grown up, uh, Luis was still trying, his original mother, was trying to still establish contact with Richard. And really had been this whole time and just wasn't able to. But the Cuyahoga, hopefully it's the right, county authorities had told Richard that both his parents were dead. Wait. Why? <laughs> yep. But why, though? But, well, I don't know. People well, did weird shit back then, uh, like giving yep. diet pills to pregnant mothers because they were getting too fat and stuff like that. So. Oh, 30s. Yeah. So I, And it's like, yeesh. alcoholic police officer. Nope. And then it's uh, un- unwed woman. Nope. Yeah. Oh, no, the times. No, you need the Lord. You guys are just dead. You just, <laughs> yeah, they need, they're just dead. I, you know what, too? Like, just considering how often, like, people would just be sent to nunneries and stuff to, like, have their babies and then be taken away and never heard from again. Like, wasn't that a documentary series about a guy that kept st- selling babies? Like, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Stolen yes. at birth. Yeah. It's on Hulu. It messed me up real good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, there's a whole group. And then they did, like, a family reunion of all of these kids that were all sold out the back door of this clinic because this guy would be doing abort, like, late... He'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll do late-term abortions. No, he would deliver the babies and then sell them. Out the back door. Out the back door. Yeesh. Real mess. Yeah, real, real mess. All these poor poor children. Okay. (laughs) Back to this poor child. Uh, In 1946, George Eberling had pneumonia and died... Uh, the official cause of death was said to be a stroke. However, it happened while he had pneumonia. So Richard was still with the family when this happened. And in 1948, he legally changed his name to Richard George Eberling. Before that, after he graduated from high school, he started his own house cleaning and decorating business. Mm. He even bought the farm from Christine. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sweet that he changed his name. Yeah, but remember that, because it's going to come back later. Well, (laughs) (laughs) okay, so his company was doing fine. Uh, He was actually fairly successful, but despite all of that, he couldn't help but to steal from his clients. Well, you know, just got to take little little heirlooms, like any good future serial killer. Yeah. Uh, He would take small things like jewelry. Um, It did get to the point, though, where he had charges against him resulting in a conviction of petty theft crimes. Uh, things did start to escalate from there because in 1959, he is suspected of being the actual murderer of Marilyn Shepard. Nice. The Shepherds were one of his window-washing clients. On the night in question, uh, Richard was in fact at their property and left blood behind. He claims that he had simply cut himself and went into the house to wash up and stop the bleeding, which 
is also how he claimed to have gotten Marilyn's rings, even though, according to another source, he had stolen those later from Sam's brother from a box labeled, this contains Marilyn's things. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> like, honestly, like, I mean, progression's a thing, but, like, if you're gonna be shysty, um, that, if he didn't do it, the stealing and the other stuff, like, it adds up. So, mm-hmm. like, don't do, like, if you're, every time you act shysty, people remember. Like, mm-hmm. you think people don't know, but more often than not, they do. And when they don't know, it, when they come to find all that stuff out, they then will start blaming you for other things because you were shysty. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be shysty. Like, don't be weird and steal little things because it's going to come back around and then you're going to be, like, people are going to think you murdered somebody because yeah. you stole a bunch of little shit at yeah. the job. Also, uh, the timeline, if you, why were you washing windows and doing stuff so early in the morning when he said that he had been there when everything happened, right? He's like, oh, yeah, well, I was there, but, like, oh, like, right. like not. It was at, like, <laughs> three in the morning. Yeah, like, <laughs> what? All right. Anyways, Richard, like many serial killers, positioned himself as a helpful voice to the Cleveland mayor, Ralph Perk. So serial killers love to get involved and talk to cops and all that stuff. Always. Always. Show up at the vigils, help yep. on the search. Oh, hey. well, let me talk about this thing. Mm-hmm. So this isn't the same mayor that was Sam's neighbor, though, because it's years later, so it's a different mayor. But that would have been fun. Been like a cool little circle around. But no, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So, but Richard was friends with the mayor's wife, Lucille. This is fun. I just thought this was a fun fact. In the article I read, it said that she had gained some fame because during Perk's term as mayor, she refused to go to an event that Nixon invited them to because it was the same night as her league bowling night. (laughs) That is funny. Commitment. (laughs) I respect a woman who sticks to her commitments. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Like, it's the 50s, baby. There ain't nothing to do. Bowling's (laughs) hot. It's a hot ticket. <laughs> really, though. This is a it's hot ticket. There we are. And this is like, so we've moved into like the 70s now, so we've moved up a bit. So Richard was put in charge of some committee that oversaw the remodeling of Cleveland City Hall, all thanks to his friends in high places. Um, he did not meet the qualifications of this position, so he was not welcomed with open arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is 1973 at this point. Um, and Richard made headlines because of how bad he was in this position. He was spending way too much money and couldn't account for all the money he was spending either. Whoops. 70s, baby. Summer 70s. of love. Yeah. <laughs> so he, like Sam, you know, landed on the front page of the Cleveland newspapers, only not for murder. Yet. Uh, in 1974, O.B. Henderson, Richard's companion, started to show up. O.B. became Perk's executive secretary. However, in 1977, both O.B. Henderson and Perk were booted out of office. Goodbye. Mm. Bye-bye. So now Richard no longer has friends in high places. <laughs> Gee, I wonder, I wonder, yeah, well, all right. <laughs> Sorry, just you make those kind of friends. I wonder, gee, I wonder what happened and you, the company you keep and all that, all those platitudes. Like, right. he's just among his friends. <laughs> <laughs> in league with some weirdos. Okay. Yes. So, Richard and Obi started to hang out a lot at Republican fundraising events. You know, Bundy did the same thing. A lot of them seemed to do this. Uh, And there they met Patricia Bogar. She actually claimed that her and Obi were dating, but any time she was with Obi, Richard was also always there. So, it was always Obi and Richard and sometimes Patricia. Mm. Um, The three of them became very close, and Patricia had a regular guest room at Richard's home in Westlake. All right, now that's out of the way. We have now reached the time where we're going to talk about Ethel May Durkin. So heat up 
your cups or grab a fresh one because it's a time for a spoonful of murder. That was for you, Amanda. Thanks. I wrote that for you. Yay, Poppins. <laughs> it's crime time, baby. Crime time, baby. Here we go. Poor Ethel. Okay, so Ethel May Durkin, whom I mentioned. Who I mentioned? Whom I mentioned? Who? You, eh. said, you said her before. Said it, said I, her said name? It, I said her name before. You said her name. her name before in the Espresso Shot episode. Um, so, she was a rather wealthy widow who had no children and lived in Lakewood, Ohio. She had hired Richard to do some of his semi-famous decorating for her. And I guess she completely missed the fact that he had been, you know, convicted of petty crimes. Well, and stole from people. But it's fine. Uh, so, they became good friends quickly. And, I mean, maybe it was just the circumstances, or maybe if it would just been her and no one else got involved, she would have been okay and things would have played out differently. But she had these two sisters, and they were not on the same page about Richard. Ethel really liked Richard, thought he was wonderful, and these two gals did not. So let's talk about her first sister. We've got Myrtle Frey. So she didn't like Richard instantly, which I'm sure did not sit well with him and probably made a lot of group dinners really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Myrtle also had a bit of a gambling problem. Uh, she often took part in illegal gambling. And on May 20th, 1962, she was horribly beaten. Her head was hit repeatedly, and she was strangled. Now, this all happened as she was getting ready for bed in the safety of her own securely locked apartment. Interesting. Oh. So, all right. Did they first think it was like a gambling thing? Mm-hmm. Of course they did. Until 20 years later, during questioning about the murder of Myrtle, Richard said that he, you know, wouldn't be surprised if the murderer, you know, washed up and used one of her dresses as a disguise to sneak out and avoid being seen by security cameras. <laughs> you know, but I don't like getting in dresses. That's not me. Yeah, I don't. But I, don't I never do that. did that. I didn't my wear childhood. my foster mom's thing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, totally. The murderer probably, you know, washed windows, but like some guy, maybe he wore a white jumpsuit sometimes. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Maybe he had a little bit of a, he had some, had some issues. He probably was bouncing around in foster homes for a minute. Like, I don't know. Maybe. It's like, sir, you, mm? <laughs> sir, sir, okay, sir, that's you, sir. That's, that's you, sir. That's that, that picture of the cat, you know, the cat that, like, is looking at itself in the mirror, and it's like, this is me. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> what? Uh, so, James Neff, uh, who is an author of many works, including a book called The Wrong Man, The Final Verdict of the Dr. Sam Shepard Murder Case, which I just bought, ladies. Haven't read it yet, but I just bought it. Uh, so, he followed things for 30 years. He was following the murder of Myrtle Frey as well, and James said that the cause of death was the same manner as Marilyn Shepard. <gasps> Next is Sarah Bell Faro, which is Ethel's oldest sister. Her death was also quite suspicious. In March 1970, she was living with Ethel in her Lakewood home, and her death came after she had taken a sudden fall down a flight of stairs. It was the stairs leading towards the basement. Owl. It was damn owls. It was damn owls. Clearly. It's clearly an owl. <laughs> the 1960s owls. Summer of love. The staircase owls. The staircase owls. We should really look into those because yeah, they're yeah. causing a lot of murders. A lot. Oh, God. It's crazy owls. <laughs> Who? 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 
Okay, so she had broken her legs and arms, and Richard stated later that it, uh, if he wanted to kill her, he would have pushed her down the stairs, but this was only an accident brought on by her age. What? <laughs> and also, Wait. somebody definitely Wait. didn't Wait. put on her clothes after she pushed <laughs> her down the stairs. Not. Wait, but he wasn't like, wait, uh, oh. But he said, if I wanted to do it, I would have pushed her down the stick. Oh, I should have said something else. <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to do it, I would have poisoned her. I would have yeah. d- done this instead. Fuck. Richard. Oh. Richie, Rich. Richie. Richie. So. Poo. <laughs> Richie Poo. So after Sarah's death, now both sisters are gone. Out of the picture. Richard had his own ATM, so to speak. He was regularly pulling out cash from Ethel's bank account. And now we're going to bring back some players. So he called up his good old friend, Patricia Bogar, and asked her to help forge some super important documents. This would give Richard complete control over his new human ATM. The estate was roughly worth $500,000, and Patricia would get a whopping 10% of that for her part in it all. Now, Patricia, though, knowing that Richard might screw her over down the line, she wrote to her attorney. So she wrote out this super detailed letter, signed it, like with a notary, signed it and everything, sealed this letter up in an envelope, mailed it through certified mail with instructions to her attorney to place this unopened, super detailed letter into a place of safekeeping until she would need to get it back as proof that she was owed $50,000. From a from a murder thing. From a murder thing. Okay. Here we go. Hey man, if you're if you're <laughs> being illegal, make it get a receipt. Yeah, get a receipt. <laughs> if you're yeah, if you notarize it. Jesus. Boom. Uh so Ethel's health wasn't the best when she was a little old lady. So she began to have a number of accidents around the home, including two falls down the stairs. Oh, it's like she just peed all over. Oh, no. Oh, no. A lot of accidents. Oh. Put the Ethel. puppy pads down. Did you tell him a dog mom? God, that's yeah. where the brain goes. <laughs> You're like, oh, poor lady. Oh, man. Uh, but still falling also sucks. Yeah, also yes. terrible. Yes. <laughs> two, falls. two falls down the stairs. And her oh. medication regiment was all over the place. Because Richard used his newfound power to have control over her money and health which included keeping Ethel pretty sedated most of the time. Eventually, Kathy Wagner was brought on to care for Ethel. Richard hired her and once told her that slitting a throat and watching someone die was exhausting. Oh. (laughs) That's Uh, exhausting. uh, I mean, it just sounds like a normal Monday, right? Right. (laughs) I I mean, for us, right? Like, talking about slitting throats is exhausting. (laughs) What? All right. Yeah. Oh, 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 and uh, he also, uh, he told her that he killed Marilyn Shepard and that he assaulted her husband. So James Neff writes about this in his book, the one that I mentioned a second ago. But, yep. So he told, wait, he told this to Patty? To Kathy. To Kathy. To good old Kathy. Jeez. All right. Yes. Well, I, what, how this, okay, so he's, he's just telling people stuff now thinking that he can, that he can. Yeah. At this point. He's gotten away with it so long that now it's totally normal. Well, he, he has that dissoci- uh, disassociative um, right. thing, too, right? So, you know, there's a dis- major disconnect going yeah. on, for sure. Yeah, there's something to be said about um, the difference in th- whether or not you actually c- take care of your own self in those instances. Like, if you don't have any regard for protecting yourself, like, knowing the consequences of your actions, there is uh, an argument to be made with, uh, like, mental health, like, as far as being 
uh, not able to be like stand in court and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you have just no regard and you're like, yeah, I killed that person and that and it was this and it was just a pain in my ass like that whole thing like (laughs) like then there's there's something there where you're not protecting yourself from the consequences that you know exist when you kill somebody yeah so yeesh you sent uh you shared a video that was uh that had a guy doing and it was like how can you tell if someone's faking it or not and it was like those different oh the gym can't the gym can't swim video gym can't swim is a really cool channel where um it's a team of people that all have various degrees and and researches like you know and and uh accreditations in like mental and psychological help and then also criminal it's Mm -hmm. not criminal justice and they'll talk about like they they literally take the footage of the kid that did the parkland shooting Mm -hmm. um and they show the difference with another case of another guy that uh stabbed a a neighbor or something um the difference between acting criminally insane and utilizing what we see in television and movies which is not at all what it really is like it's not like there's demons telling me to do it's like no nah in most the most most often it's not demons like that's just what we've seen enough times on like law and order that we're like clearly that's what that looks like and that's Mm -hmm. not how the affect takes place like Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, that Jim Can't Swim video is pretty interesting um, with the Parkland shooter. Because he's, like, 19, and he's yeah. like, I don't know who did it. Like, it's super, it's, like, it, infuriating yeah. to watch. Yeah, it is. Although that uh, that investigator, the the guy the, the guy that did the interrogation was incredible. So <laughs> funny. Really good job. Yeah, so great. great. He was like, oh, just did the, oh, he was like, did the demon tell you that you needed to get a lawyer? Like, does the demon know a good lawyer? Like, does the demon know? Yeah. Does the demon know? Oh, yeah. Let me just uh, Satan's call up best Lucifer. representation <laughs> there is. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, so. <clears throat> on November 15th, 1983, the paramedics were called to the scene of Ethel May Duncan's home. She was found face down on the hardwood floor, and Richard was claiming it was due to a fall. She had tried to stand up from her chair and fell. He also told the EMS team that he thought it was a heart attack. However, after the x-rays were done, it showed that her wounds and vital signs were more like a result of an attack by another person. Mm -hmm. And her neck had been broken along the second vertebrae, which is the same place as Marilyn Shepard. Oh, very specific. Yes. Ethel suffered the injuries until she died in January, on January 3rd, 1984. Sad. Ooh. I know, it's poor little lady just suffering and then... God. Yeah. With a broken neck. Mm-hmm. And I didn't... Oh, I wouldn't wish that pain on anyone. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a second vertebrae. What, that's like C2? That's like way up close right to... Right up your, in your... Yeah. Oh. C2's up in your skull. Yeah. Yeah. So, in her will, which was one of those important documents that Richard had had asked Patricia to take care of, Mm. along with two other folks uh, whom Richard was blackmailing for insurance fraud. So, the will now stated that the majority of her estate was being left to, ba-da-ba, Richard Eberling. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you know it? No way. What? I'm so shocked. Shaka. And to make him even more of a stand-up guy, everyone, uh, in her... In her will, she'd requested to be buried with some jewelry and her mink coat. And what did Richard do? Well, it was a closed casket, so Aww. he took all of it from her before the casket was sealed. Oh. I hope she haunts the fuck out of him. <laughs> right? Man. So, alright. I mean, is there anything you guys want to be buried with? Does it matter mm-hmm. to you? I 
I don't want any, like, throw me, throw my body down a hill. I don't give a shit. Don't, don't, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to be buried with stuff. That's such a. No, I want to do that. You were telling me about that thing where you just be like, you know, let the earth, <laughs> earth take you back. Yeah, there's certain places in California, I think in Maine, it's, it's legal for these people to, like, essentially, like, natural, like, they wrap your body in, like, a gauze or, like, in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a material that allows for it to just decompose, and then they put you, there's somewhere on their land or something, or they prep your body so that you can bury it yourself or something, like, there's something like that. Yeah, there's some places where, it, uh, that I was looking up too that have, like, little areas where you, like, you are laid on top of, and it looks like a little garden on yeah. top of it. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, I don't know if you ever watched the OA, but there's, like, a part where they're all laying the bodies are laying in, oh, like... Yeah, that show was all, weird. It was weird. But <laughs> it reminded me of that. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so no, I don't... I wouldn't want to be buried with anything. Just want to be buried with the earth. Yeah, on, like, one hand, like, what's she gonna do with a mink coat and jewelry in her casket? Mm. And what is... That That makes me question value and worth of our things, right? But mm-hmm. then, um, if it's just gonna be buried anyway, then what is it worth? Like, mm-hmm. if it's a mink coat and it's jewelry, you know? It's mm. only worth something if someone steals it and sells it, Right. Yeah. Like, so, then it's know. just your own value. <laughs> That's true. What about you, Amanda? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I like the idea of um, the ones where they bury you and you, like, become a tree. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. All those, like, pods. Right, yeah. because I think it would be cool, because I live on a large plot of land, to, so that it's like there's trees all over the property, and it's like, that was your great-grandfather. That was your, like, mm. I don't know, I'm weird, but that's also kind of I super like beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... I looked it up, and you have to have the body embalmed in order to put it on private land, and then that defeats the purpose of your it, because it's full yeah, decaying naturally. Mm. So, mm. yeah, my, I know. my dad has a joke. Um, it's one of his favorite jokes. Uh, it's uh, the joke is just that we have a ton of trees. My parents have a ton of trees in their backyard, and so whenever I have a new partner come over, um, uh. My dad goes, these are all of her previous boyfriends and girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's favorite hey. joke. <laughs> I like it. Like, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. There's a lot of trees. Good. Ooh. Good. I'm, I, I get busy. <laughs> and then I get even. Right, and then you get back to the earth because it's yeah. oxygen. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Or yeah. you're welcome. body farm. Body, body farm. farm. Donated to a body farm. Yeah, the body cool. farm. Super cool. Yeah, I say take my organs, do what you want with them. Let me just throw, uh, the big joke that I always have is just tie, like, a brick with, like, a note on my body and throw it through, like, a university window. Because there's a, there's a company out there that makes, um, they make D20 dye out of bones. And, oh. but the bones are old, they're, they're completely finished, uh, skeletons from, or pieces of skeleton, like, bones. Pieces of skeletons. Pieces of skeletons. <laughs> um. Bones? Bones. Uh, they take the pieces that are, like, uh, they did a bunch of research on them, so they're all marked with things so people can, like, point stuff out and all that kind of stuff. And then they take those bones, because they're done with them at the university. They can't do much m- much more with them. They donate it to, the, to this company, and then the company makes a little D20 dye out of them. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. I really so, yeah, like recycle. That. Reuse. Recycle. Recycle. Reuse. Rihanna. Yeah. Rihanna. Rihanna! Yeah. Just like H.H. Holmes, you know, he used to donate the, his victims to a uh, university, because at the time it was really hard to do that. Like, get bodies. Yeah. Like, people were, like, grave robbers. Like, they were stealing bodies to do their work on, you know, to in the medical field. Until now. We, now we've got a whole bunch of amazing things in place so you can get them. But H.H. Holmes used to donate his victims. Anyways, I digress. H.H. Holmes, tap that. Uh, okay, so, let's get back to this one. Uh, then, uh, just like all good con artist groups, okay? Everything goes great with the groups for a long time, and then folks start to turn on each other, right? Mm-hmm. That's what always happens. 
So Patricia, our good old Patricia, she took steps to turn on Richard. So the information began to come into light about what was really going on. While the Lakewood police were conducting their investigation, they now began to notice all these irregular irregularities in her estate. Uh, so they were like, well, here you go, court, why don't you take a look at this? And the court looked at it and discovered there were a lot of inconsistencies with signatures, with estate accounting. So it was officially returned to the court system for further investigation. And, you know, like all good jaded team members, they were all indicted for forgery, perjury, aggravated grand theft, theft, that's not a word, theft, theft, uh, and tampering with evidence and records in 1988. Except for Patricia. Patty! Because <laughs> uh, she actually had only really signed a blank piece of paper. Look at this girl. So she was in charge with nothing. Ooh. Patty. Yeah, so it was just Obie, Richard, and those poor two people that Richard was blackmailing. They all got in trouble. After all this went down, though, uh, it was decided to exhume Ethel's body for further examination. I love this. And when they opened the casket, what did the police find? All of her jewelry were, was gone and her mink coat was gone. Hmm. That doesn't make Richard look very good. Damn it. Damn it, Richard. Damn it, Richard. Richard. Dang. So, uh, one of the co-conspirers confessed that Richard had claimed that he did hit Ethel. And Richard and his companion, Obi, were found guilty of the murder of Ethel May Durkin in July of 1989. Richard was sentenced to life imprisonment, which is like 32 years ago now. How crazy is that? Uh, the co-conspirators were convicted as well, but since they helped with the investigation, they had received suspended sentences. Which basically, basically, that means that they were given a period of probation, and as long as they didn't break the law during that time and fulfilled whatever conditions were asked of them, then the judge would most likely dismiss a sentence at the end of that time. So, these poor blackmailed folks, thankfully, didn't get the horrible end of the stick. So, they got off a little bit easier. And... If you recall from our little espresso shot episode, Richard, once he was in prison, started to claim that he killed Marilyn and attacked Sam Shepard. Uh, and after that came to light, Chip, Sam's son, who we talked about in the other episode, uh, started to speak to Richard after Richard agreed to meet with him. Uh, Richard said he would share valuable information with him. And after that went down, Chip publicly mentioned Richard's possible involvement and like we all know, set into motion that legal action, which is talked about in the Espresso episode. Um, also, just to remind everyone, just go back a bit, Kathy Wagner, the woman that he hired, remember? Mm -hmm. She testifies in the trial and tells the court all the horrible stuff Richard told her. Good. So, Good for her. She's like, she's a poor woman. <laughs> um, and he told me slitting throats is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Put that oh, on a t-shirt. But that's sitting <laughs> thrust is exhausting. Throws it's like a workout. Exhausting. Like a workout t-shirt is like... <laughs> I mean, that is a good arm workout. You oh, know? yeah, you know. Reach your cuffs, you, know. you know. Ask me any time. Yeah. I was going to say that. Get out of my brain. Yeah. Shoulders. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Friends don't let friends skip... Shoulder, shoulder day. day. Yep. Uh, okay, so Richard loved all of this attention. He would write letters to Chip... He would tell him things about the crime and would kind of like tease things and be like, oh, all will be revealed at the right time. You what know, that kind of stuff. What a serious Let me turd. milk this like a cow. Let me just milk it. Uh, he also loved talking to reporters and authors about his possible involvement. And fun fact, 
Richard reportedly suffered from male pattern baldness most of his life. Why is this important and fun? Well, as a young man, he would wear a bushy hairpiece. All right. And... (laughs) And so we've got uh, we've got this bushy hairpiece, and we've got this maybe white jumpsuit that you thought about, and it all pretty much sounds like this bushy-haired man that Sam may have described that was oh. a white form. Oh, right when he described the person he, was he like, saw, bushy-haired. Mm. Oh my Poor goodness! Sam, just hitting the head trying to describe this person. Yeah, yikes! And the hairpiece fact was actually brought back with the the retrial um, when they were trying to get innocence for Sam Shepard. So they brought the hairpiece fact in for the defense. Guys, there's nothing wrong with being bald. Not at all. There's also nothing wrong with wearing a hairpiece. Not like at there's all. nothing wrong with that. You no. do whatever you gotta do to make yourself confident and Heck yeah. yeah, I've seen this the process. This is my hair. I don't wear wigs. Man, I yeah. love wigs. Yeah. <laughs> I love wigs. Wigs are great. Yeah, wigs are great. And like I know that there's a whole process with hair pieces where they glue it onto your head and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, so yeah, go yeah, for do. do do you. Like, Be happy. Yeah, Just, do you. Yeah. But also being bald's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. just don't murder anybody. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. That's really? It. That's, that's all we is. need. Like, that's doesn't matter how tall you There's are. There's no excuse to murder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously. It's all stupid. Anyway. Okay, so before we turn off our coffee pot and finish our last cup here, there are some additional crimes that Richard is suspected of that I want to share. Damn it, Richard. Damn it, Richard. <laughs> okay, so there are two other suspicious deaths that circle around Richard. Bringing it back to his life in foster care. So George... Eberling, if you remember him from the farm, right. who he legally named himself after. So in 1946, uh, it was discovered later that George had invested, ingested poison. God damn it. He ingested poison, and it happened right before he had a stroke. The poison was left on the nightstand. Just on the nightstand. Uh, and there was no official autopsy performed, though. <laughs> I know. Because, I don't know, the times? I don't know. They're like, he's an old man. It's fine. Moving on. Okay. And the other is uh, a woman named Barbara Kinzel in 1956. She was a nurse at Sam Shepard's Bayview Hospital. She was supposedly Richard's girlfriend. But before that, she was one that took care of Sam while he was at the hospital. She publicly stated that she didn't think that he was guilty. And after that, Richard found her. And the two of them started dating. Allegedly, she had died in a car accident. Richard was actually driving that car. He had veered off the highway and slammed her Ford convertible into the back of a parked truck. And after the accident, Richard claimed that he reached over only to find her crumpled body on the floor in the front passenger seat. Now, there was... I've definitely heard this case before. Not that one, but there is definitely another case where a guy killed his wife, put her in the car... Went and ran his car off the mm-hmm. road, and then was like, "Oh my God, she's dying! Help!" And it's like, "Well, this doesn't add up because this wasn't that bad of a crash, and she's got these horrific, you know, blows to the head." And- Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I so, same vein. Yes, find that one. Uh, so there was an autopsy performed on Barbara, and it revealed interesting details. So the reason it was done in the first place is because it all kind of seemed off, kind of like you were just saying with the other case. The autopsy only brought up more questions. At the time of the accident, she did not have a seatbelt on, and the top was down. It was a Ford convertible. So why was she not thrown from the car? Yeah. With the impact that happened, why wasn't she thrown? When Richard was asked that, he said she hit the windshield. But there was no blood, no bleeding, no internal bleeding, nothing like that anywhere on her body, and there was no safety glass found on her body that would indicate she hit the windshield. Mm. The coroner did note that her neck was broken along the second vertebra. Mm. Mm. 
Tommy's just karate karate chopping these ones. <laughs> right? Just, just one out of the back of the neck. And <laughs> second vertebra. Bam. Uh, so there were uh, thoughts that maybe the motive was to keep her quiet about Sam during the time of the retrial, so he killed her. Also, he made a bunch of money off this accident. It was her car he was driving, but he got the money from the parked truck's company for his injuries. Schmuck. What? Ugh. But despite all this evidence linking Richard to these things, nothing happened. He was in jail for that life sentence for Ethel's death, but nothing more. And he died in jail on July 25th, 1998, at the age of 68. And that is the end of the Marilyn Shepard saga. It's been a journey. Ladies. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. Listen, I'm like highly caffeinated. Uh, What are your final sips? Yeah. It's the final sips of the whole saga. The final sips of the whole saga Ooh. is just have your own baby. Have <laughs> your own um, baby. Or adopt. Please adopt and, all and the adopt them adopt them and adopt them. And love them. Yeah. I guess what I meant was just, you know, have it and, like, don't sell it out the back door. That's all don't I'm saying. Don't sell it out the back door. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Love every child. Because this is what happens when you don't love children. They turn yeah. into this monster. Yeah. Everybody deserves love. It's yeah. true. Children, children turn into adults, right? Um, what? Wait. Yeah. I'm sorry. Spoiler. I just found that out. Like no Kids way. turn into adults that you have to deal with every single day, so be cool to kids. Um, my final sip is, uh, it's okay to be bald. It's okay to wear whatever clothes you want to wear if mm-hmm. it's somebody else's dresses. Whatever that is, like if it's a dress, whatever it is, you can disassociate. You can have disassociative disorder. You can do all sorts of things like that. Just don't kill anybody. Yeah. 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 That's all. Like, do all that. All of those things do not make a killer. Yeah. 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 That's not, that's not cool. Like. Yeah. I agree. That's yeah. great. Great. Also, medicine. adopt all the kids out of foster system because yeah. some people just have yeah. kids in the foster system just so that they can have money and free labor. So just, guys, mm-hmm. or, adopt, adopt kids. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Adopt kids. That's a great final sip. Adopt kids. Adopt kids. Um, my other one uh, is also like, just like. Listen to people, not the media, because the media fucked all of this up, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Sam was put in such a horrible place because the media jumped on and so quickly assumed that he was the murderer that Richard completely escaped all of this until way, way, way later, and that's just awful. And it just, Sam's life was so sad and just, like, it's messed everything up. Like, he, you know, could never really go back to being a doctor because of his new drinking problem, because of everything that happened, and... His short-lived wrestling career, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just really sad. All yeah. of it's sad. So, yeah, I, su- I agree with both of your final sips. Absolutely. Mental health is super important. Love your children. Love people. Be kind. Be whoever you want to be. Just don't murder people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, all right. Time for another cup of joe. Cup of Joe. Cup of Joe. Join us on Monday for the next episode. Yes, next Monday for Morning Murders. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> I just like to be spooky. Have a murder you like to talk about over coffee? We would love to hear about it. Email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. In today's show notes, you can find our cited research as well as a few of our favorite mental health resources. (laughs) 
Okay, the recording has started and it is going. Oh, you guys ready? I'm ready. I like how you're sitting. I'm gonna sit like. I this. might have been born ready. Born ready. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, born this way. Should I name my firstborn child Ready? Yeah. <laughs> This is Freddy. Hilarious. I this was is born. This ready. is Freddy. Freddy. Ready, Freddy. Yeah. This is my child, Freddy Prince Jr. Ready <laughs> Prince Jr. Ready Prince Jr. I am Ready Prince Jr. Let's he fucking dated. do this. He, he dated Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He he's still happily <laughs> married to Buffy the Vampire You should Jr. name him Cuppa. Cuppa Folger. Cuppa Folger. That's a coffee joke. <laughs> coffee joke. <laughs> See you guys. Uh, it's been fun. It's been, been good. good. It's been a good run. It's been a great, it's been been a great decade of friendship, but <laughs> I think finally lost it's it. time to go. Yeah. It's finally <laughs> over. <laughs> appreciate okay. you. Appreciate Thank your you. time. Thank you. Oh, no. <laughs> Please leave your gun in your badge. <laughs> yeah. No. Not my badge. We're taking you off the force. Oh, ah, fun force. So, yeah, the fun yeah, force. The fun force. The fun force. If not with me. Did you turn the AC off? It did. Mm-hmm. Okay, sweet. It's getting hot. Okay. Let's get started. Started. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That was such a, a hot uh, piece of information that the AC decided to yeah. turn back on. So I'm going to go check on that real quick. It's like quacking. The chair is quacking. It's like, oh, hi. Hi. Oh, God.